morning after the storm, you know, some friends and I, we were staying at a friend's house and his house was completely broken as well. We thought it was a castle. We thought it was unbreakable, but even his home was destroyed. And we, for 17 hours, fought for our lives. But the only place that I could go was Israel. The only logical place was Israel. This is the Mideast Peace Podcast, and I am Molly Livingstone recording from Jerusalem, the first day of real rain here since April. Just so exciting, really breaking news for us. And on the other side of the pond, (laughs) never breaking news when it's raining, right? I guess when it's not raining, Alex. Molly, as I've said to you before, we are not doing the weather podcast here. Yes, it is grey. It might rain here. Uh, It doesn't rain all the time. Thank you very much. Yeah, it just rains like 98% of the time and the other 2% is cloudy. And it isn't about a weather podcast. This is actually, I have to tell you, breaking news here in Israel. It is a big deal when it rains and it's an even bigger deal because the gossip is always, will it, won't it rain at the holiday of Sukkot? Because Sukkot is basically a time when us, the Jews, if you can imagine using our hands, building sukkahs, which are these outside dwellings, to live and eat in for a week. Hang on, hang on. So just to clarify this, what you're trying to tell me is that you have a holiday which is based around camping outside at the point in your year when it starts raining. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Do you not think, (laughs) do you not think that with all of those clever religious people, you might have put that holiday in the middle of your lovely summer that you have? I mean, is it not true that you have a lovely summer from what, sort of April until now? Until now. Yeah, Yeah, could could that not have been more sensible? You know, we had a lot of destruction in the summers. I don't know if you remember a few thousand years ago, they destroyed one temple, we built another, they destroyed the next one. And so we really are in a mourning period in summer. That doesn't mean we don't go to the beaches and have a great time. It just means we're a little bit more reflective on what was going on. And when it comes to the rainy season, which sounds weird, we start to celebrate. We have our new year. We have the receiving of the Torah. That's a big deal. We dance outside in the streets. You'll see thousands of Jews uh, doing some kind of step touch move like every white person should. Yeah. Yeah. But this particular holiday, Sukkot, which you may think is ridiculous to put right in the smack dab question mark rainy season. It's a big deal in this country if you're Jewish, right? This is a Jewish holiday. And so if you're kind of one of the other many religions here, it's just just, I guess, Monday. but not with, a load, for, with a load of people in tents in their gardens. It's just amazing, not just in their gardens. You're thinking like a British person. We don't have gardens. We have balconies. We're in a desert, hence why there wasn't rain. It's beautiful to see from the outside, but as one of those people that's looking in, it's kind of like just your average day. But not for these two Muslim Arab dentists living in Nazareth. This year, they have decided to take on this Jewish tradition, building a gigantic sukkah for hundreds of people to stop by, have some delicious Arab food, Jewish food, talk about real issues that we all have, domestic violence being one of them. <laughs> that's that's just something they mentioned in the article that I had to point out because I thought, yeah, let's start there. Traffic, education, whatever it is, because at the end of the day, despite what we may be labeled as, we're all really just the same, aren't we? 
So basically, yeah, no, so they have built the big tent. They have created the metaphor in physical form. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, in the most beautiful way. First of all, what's very important to note about Khalil and Remy, these two beautiful dentists, what souls they have. They made it a hundred... Well, get a room, Molly. I mean, you and the dentists... A thruple. I'm going to have a thruple. Two Arabs and a Jew. That is a good Netflix show I'd watch. Yeah. But uh, they made it 100% kosher, which was obviously very important. So I think that not only are they doing this, but they've gone all the way. And something that really triggered, for lack of a better word in this, (laughs) Khalil said that he had invited his office manager to come up to Nazareth. That's where they're based up north to do a staff training. And she had asked, is it safe for me to come is it safe for us and he was shocked and what he realized is we really all have these stereotypes about us and the reason is is that we don't really know each other we live here but we live separately and that we have to get to know each other and that's basically what this sukkah represents he couldn't do it last year he didn't have enough time to build it this year he checked it out with a few other of his friends other arabs to make sure hey we're cool with this i'm gonna build like a big ass sukkah in the middle of like a very arab area and not only were they cool with that but he got another 20 people to help him build this kosher sukkah and it really brought together everybody also props to mama over there she's 39 she has a six-week-old baby three kids and they did this anyways bring in jews bring in whoever wants to come in freeloaders essentially you're a freeloader right you're coming for free food yeah yeah i I mean, mean i'd go yeah, you're not coming for the dialogue. You may stay for the dialogue, but you initially heard, I'm sorry, what? Free food? Yes. Hummus. Ish. Free hummus. Yeah. It's have, have, hummus. It's hummus. It's hummus. Stop doing well, it. when you stop, say stop. it like that, it's a terrorist organization. No, hummus. no. We have this argument all the time. No, I, I'm fully aware that there's hummus and there's hummus. Those are different things. One is delicious. One is not. I, you know, I would never get confused between those two <laughs> Which things. Which one? Which one? Well, I, I said, I'm very disappointed with you, Molly. We've been doing this podcast for a few months now, and the whole idea was supposed to be cynical and unpleasant and difficult. And, and now you bring me this good news story. Well, how am I supposed to work with that? What sort of, what sort well, of cruel, cynical jokes can I make about this? Well, I think saying people are coming for the food, you could say, you could say they're two dentists that maybe they're just trying to get new clients, right? Mm, yeah. Maybe they're loading up the food with sugar. You seem to be building a bit more of the sort of the sitcom idea. That these, these, so there's two Arab dentists and you go and live with them. I love it. Hilarious jokes ensue. Well, we can work with that. I think I'm going to like write a, a one page treatment after this while it's still fresh in my mind. It goes along with my other thing, which is I semi, I do this, you know, I, I believe in the mixing of the culture and the mixing of the people. I, I believe that once we get past our labels and it's just you and me having coffee, that there can be just real coexistence. Forget the word peace. It's so overused and gross, but just living quietly together. Hence why I think I have an Arab boyfriend. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> is that like an online thing? Oh, no. This is very much offline. This oh. is a real, you know, one-on-one mm. contact. Yeah, baby. What? think I'm selling it too much. So basically... I'm part of a running group of Running Without Borders. It doesn't mean we run really far. It just means we run together, you know, mixed. And 
one of the men there, actually, I think he'd probably prefer not to have his name, just because when you're uh, an Arab that believes in peace, that can get you in trouble within your own society. But he asked me if I would teach him English. I asked him if he would teach me Arabic. And so the friendship began. I taught him about the show Friends. He gave me some weird Arab music. I don't know what it's saying. And we have, you know, been... Does he like Friends? Hang on, does he like Friends? Yeah, he said to me, uh, how you doing? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that I great? mean, literally the whitest sitcom that has ever existed. He had never seen it. Alex, what do you want me to start? I need to give him something that explains culture in a way that he can understand it. And there it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. It's true. in a show where they clap at the beginning altogether. Of course, that is that's... true. It is nice from that point of view. That is true. I mean, it just got a little bit complicated because as much as I want to, you know, strip us down. Whoop. Of our culture. So just to be clear, so you and your new your new boyfriend. Not so new, but yeah. yeah. Okay, it's been going on for a while. And you're thinking of converting? Is this is this the idea? Whoa, that was a crazy jump. I'm just drinking coffee, not converting. You're the one um, saying the two of you are going out. I mean, I, you know, dating. I would have to say, if anything, it would be more likely that he would be the convert in the situation. He knew more things about Judaism than I did. And I'm the one that was asking him really inappropriate questions about Ramadan. There are so mm-hmm. many things you must want to know. What the bottom line is, well, let me put it out there. We're both married. We talk about our marriages. But every now and then he'll say something that like, I miss you, Molly. And it makes me think, lost in translation or very direct? Oh, this could do a lot for our ratings if you were thinking about leaving your husband to run off with your right. boyfriend. I mean, I'm not trying to force you down this this route for ratings, a, for pure marriage, yeah, ratings, marriage for I pure for pure commercial reasons. This could be a big hit for us. It could be a book in this for you, or at least a couple of articles in like the New Yorker okay. or something. I mean, yeah, if someone else wrote the book, I'd be down. But like all this work you want, first you're asking me to convert, sounds hard. You want me to write, sounds like I'll be, you know, stuck somewhere in England in a dreary, cloudy, moody place (laughs) writing my book. Doesn't sound fun. I like this. I like doing the podcast and sharing little tidbits that no one wants to hear about my life. But your life when is... we're supposed to talk about Sukkot. No, we, we did. It's a, there's a tent. There's some people up north that have built a bigger tent. I mean, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love the tent. Yeah. More importantly, you know, I think, and you think probably, we should actually meet these dentists. I think you should go and interview them. I think we should get them on the podcast. I think it would be yeah. very, very cool. It's exactly what we should be doing. And I shall have to think of some dentist jokes for next week. Yeah. So we can't. Otherwise, it just turns into a whole sort of hippie cuddling each other nonsense. And that's not what we're about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll think of some dentist jokes. I think we should do a GoFundMe page and bring Alex here. Because if you're like any other (laughs) Brit, your teeth need it. Right? (laughs) That is like an actual concern. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. I made some jokes about you running off with your boyfriend. Did it. Went there. Did it. Went there. Okay. Moving we're gonna on. We're going to wrap it up. Moving yeah, on. Wrapping wrap. on. You've got a big interview. Let's so let you move on to that. Yeah, it's a great interview. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, it is an interview with an American who unfortunately lost his home due to Hurricane Irma in the Virgin Islands and came to Israel to seek refuge. WTF. What the fuck? We'll be right back with more on that. And we are back. This is the Mid East Beast Podcast. This is Molly Livingstone here in Jerusalem. It's still 
raining. I'm hoping for a rainbow. But until then, check out this interview with the man, Kenny. He lost his home due to Hurricane Irma. Horrific hurricane ripped through the Virgin Islands, ripped through his house. So why is he seeking refuge here in Israel with a survivor of terrorism? Yeah, listen up. You want to find out. So I am sitting here with Kenny Whitmire. And the reason that we're interviewing you, I'm interviewing you, is because it just sounds weird what I'm about to say. You unfortunately lost your home in Hurricane Irma in the Virgin Islands, and you are now seeking refuge in Israel, um, staying at the home of Kay Wilson, a survivor of terrorism. So when I say that out loud, I feel crazy. Do you feel crazy? Uh, It's a crazy life I think we all live, but when I think about it, you know, um, one month ago I'm living in paradise, and uh, here I am sitting with, you know, my best friend in Israel, in a sukkah, celebrating the highest holidays on the Jewish calendar. And I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world. That sounds strange. Yeah. To well, say. I think it was fair that you did not call Israel paradise, but where you lived paradise. And unfortunately, most of those islands are pretty much demolished at this point. I mean, you were talking about your friends losing their homes. What is the devastation like from someone who is really an eyewitness? Sure. Um, St. Martin, Tortola, St. John, most of St. Thomas, obliterated, pretty much obliterated. I would say probably 90% of the homes on my island were either completely damaged beyond uh, repair. They have to be ripped down and rebuilt. You know, and it's just not the homes. It's the lives that are destroyed, the businesses, the livelihoods. It's, It's actually, let me clear this up. My home was not completely demolished. My roof stayed on, but everything in my house was destroyed. So I did fake news. No, no, no fake news. (laughs) No, no, no. It's still pretty bad. If you describe it like that, it's still pretty bad. The morning after the storm, you know, some friends and I, we were staying at a friend's house, and his house was completely broken as well. We thought it was a castle. We thought it was unbreakable, but even his home was destroyed, and we, for 17 hours, fought for our lives. With 300 knot per hour winds, there's not even a category scale for the hurricane that we went through. It was a six, and there's not even a scale for it. But yes, I did seek refuge. The only place that I could go was Israel. My head was like a, in a blender. The only logical place, you know, next to the hug from my mother and my father, was Israel next to uh, Kay, my best friend. So I, there was no other place for me to go. There was no... That's like wild because everyone else would be like, what are you doing? Why would you go from an area that was completely demolished by Mother Nature, the actual terrorist, and go to Israel, which is this in the Middle East, worn torn. All you see in the news is the vicious back and forth of blood and blowing up. How could this be safe haven? (laughs) Well, Israel is not a stranger to me. I've been to Israel many times to me. It is the only safe place in the world. I've been sitting in a plane, you know, after a war here, being, you know, in protective edge and, you know, doing the uh, volunteer for the army a few times and always think that the hardest part, the, the most frightening part about being in Israel for me is leaving. Uh, such a hallmark moment. That's really beautiful. <laughs> but I still, you still, 
how does the rest of the world, because we all see it, I mean, in the news, how Israel is just, and all the Middle East, with ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas, the list goes on and on, of different terrorist organizations, different wars, different, how can it mean so much to you and be such a calming factor for you that you would literally pick up from devastation and come here? For the third time, I'm going to ask it (laughs) over my sangria that you made, which is delicious. (laughs) Well, it was instilled in me very early in life to love Israel with all of my heart. It is my genetic code. You love Israel or you really don't have love in your heart or your soul. To me, there's, there's no confusing reason why I wouldn't come here. You know, my soul was broken. My heart was broken. Seeing the devastation of my island, there was, there's no other place that exists that I could come and heal. It sounds weird. Okay, I've been through wars, but you know, I'm still sensitive. I'm a human being, and uh, to see my island and all of my friends more than anything, to see my friends' lives devastated, it's the hardest, hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. And you know, I have a frame of reference here with a lot of, a lot of horrible things. My my best friend, my my right hand, Kay Wilson, was a, was attacked by. Hamas six years ago that moved me beyond anything and we have a hummingbird singing in the background um, my daughter is crying for all of us I'm I think sorry, she, I'm sorry. Kay's supposed to be babysitting my child but she'll use PTSD to explain why she didn't do a good job which is fine I'm dealing with a 13 week old child who is This is what you came to? This is safe refuge? Interjection into my interview. (laughs) So you are here now, and you're getting by one one drink at a time. You're like a barman. You keep saying you're a barman. Just explain that. I've been a bartender at the Quiet Mon Pub on St. John for 17 years. It's my, you know, these are my best friends. These are my island family. I moved there just after graduating from college and you know we have a family at home and I have my family in my heart which is Israel and also my family in my pseudo life which is a you know a bartender in the Virgin Islands for 17 years I've lived there for 21 years I've built a life there and to see it devastated you know it's like your your world crumbles around you the only thing that I thought of I was airlifted out of the Virgin Islands and the only logical place I could see myself being before any other healing began was at the Kotal. I had to pray at the Kotal. I had to thank God for my life, for the life of my friends. You know, there was uh, complete obliteration and devastation on my island. I don't have to prove that. It's it's factual. It's just you can see it. And you're here now in a sukkah. And I'm here now in a sukkah on top of, uh, you know, Zayed and Vavaseret. I'm the luckiest man in the world, and I'm thankful. I am I'm grateful and I'm thankful for Israel, for being here, for the kindness and the open arms that every Israeli that I've met has, and I knew it, I knew this. You know, getting on the plane in New York, the only place for me to heal, prepare myself for what is next is here, and I made, obviously, the angelic decision. While you're here, you've been traveling a little bit, and you're going to go see Sinai, which I'm so jealous about. But I love that you're talking about the what is next, because we've been trying to convince you to maybe stay in Israel a little bit longer, mostly because you make awesome salsa. And we thought that you should have a restaurant, which my husband said, called uh, 
Mexicani. Mexicani or Mexican, but I think uh, Shalom Gringos is much better. <laughs> so we're going to leave it on that. You have a great way at looking at the, the darkness and the destruction and still finding the light. No, no, that's the only way that you can look at things. If you look at, uh, you can look at things one of two ways. There's no other way to look at things. You can look at things through the spectrum of light or you can look at things in the darkness, in the darkness, you're never going to heal. You're going to drag one foot in the past forever, and you're never going to get over it. The only place to look is toward the light, which is, uh, you know, the way we've all been taught. Yeah, here in which Israel. is the Middle East, yeah. I'm talking about the values that our parents have instilled in us, our love for Israel. It's part of who we are, and that's part of what makes us kind creatures as we roam on this earth until we, we're gone but uh, not everyone has that luxury and blessing and that's too bad how do you bottle it i don't know you put it in salsa and you sell it for <laughs> jars of delicious glory i want to thank you so much kenny molly thank you this has been this has been great i hope it's part of your healing process and not the other way around i feel better already <laughs> And that will do it here for us on the Mid-East Beast Podcast. As always, thank you to Scott Kahn, our editor and producer. You guys have to subscribe on iTunes. That's where we're at, SoundCloud. Tell us what you think. Tell us what's going on. Find us on Facebook, The Mid-East Beast, online, themideastbeast.com, and on Twitter. Follow us at Beasties. This is Molly Livingstone. Enjoy wherever you are, even if it's dreary, Alex. You still got to find the love and joy. This is Molly Livingstone signing out the Mideast Beast. <laughs>